Earth has a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. We you good? You happy with that? We got it? All right, cool. We're here. We're there. <laughs> Welcome, We're into D- Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 466. <laughs> I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. <laughs> uh we haven't been here for a minute it feels know. weird it feels a little weird it's like riding a bicycle with uh with your testicles removed mm. like this doesn't feel like it did when i was 13 it has never occurred to me but that would be strange for just a second right i mean i'm sure i'd adjust by the end of the episode by, by the end of the you know ride but still yeah, yeah right i was about to say episode mm. and like the the temporaneous version of that word and then I realized uh-huh. in the context of what we do, it sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, welcome in. How you doing? What's going on? Couple of things been? up front. You good? Yeah. Seriously. Um, so we actually do have a bit of news here today. And, uh, I do want to point out if you want to help the show out, if you dig us, if you love us, go pop over to, to iTunes, give us a, uh, a positive rating and review. We always love seeing those, and we uh, we will uh, read them on the show. Unless you message us and say, hey, don't read this on the show. That's weird, and we, I guess we won't. But Yeah. I guess you, you know, could put we'll, that in the review if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, just throw it in. Um, at the end of today's show, we're going to play a clip from Weird Medicine. Jason called in, had a bit of a question, uh, a neurological question, right? Mm-hmm. About Gotham? Mm-hmm. And they answered his question, and uh, we are friends with Dr. Steve over there, so uh, he actually left us a pretty nice review. I'll get to that a little later, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I don't know. Let's let's dive into some of this news here. We, we've been away for quite a while. Hit me. All right, so um, Mario Francisco Robles over at the Revenge of the Fans uh, website is reporting that... According to his sources, WB expected the Justice League backlash. The uh, pertinent paragraph here is, I remember speaking to an insider in the weeks following Justice League's release and them saying they, quote, expected this. While they conceded the fallout was perhaps a bit worse than anticipated, they knew that this thing was going to be a bump in the road. The studio just didn't want to spend another dime on the film, considering all the effort that had gone into it already. They wanted to simply get it out there, get it over with, and move on to the next phase of DCU films, which would act as a distinct course correction. Um, that tracks, as it far does, as I'm concerned. But it also tracks with like a thing someone would say a few weeks later. Yeah, um, well, you know, uh, Mark Hughes was over, of, of Forbes, was over on um, Holy Batcast this week, and mm-hmm. pretty much said the same things, like, uh, that his insiders were like, hey, yeah, they, you know, and this was, they, they knew that they were screwing up, like, and they just, like, refused to course correct, I mean, they were course correcting, that's all they do, um, actually, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Like if you, 
He talks about the Brian Michael Bendis joining DC for a while, but if you get past that, he talks a lot about how he feels like they all just, all they do is react. And we've talked about that ourselves a lot of the shows. Oh, like, yeah. They never actually stick with the so plan. It's so reactionary just... that it's, that, if anything will kill the DCU, it's that. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's what they did. They were just, you know, they got a bucket full of water. They're like, oh, that looks pretty good. It could use a little something. Before they knew it, there is just like a muddy, mucked up mess of crap with sticks and feces floating in it. They're like, oh, that's not going to do anything. Yeah. Well, I, and a lot of a lot of movies face the problem where it's like just just the the too many chefs in the kitchen problem. Mm-hmm. Um. um. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel so, bad for the the poor people who were like the last per or like in in a lot of cases, especially if you're a writer, like uh-huh. because the WGA guidelines, if you wrote it and not enough of it got substantially changed, like you can write a good thing and then they just like they just absolutely screw it up behind you. But because a lot of the plot points are still yours, you get, like, written by on a thing that you would never have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, all we can do is conject about this, but Hans Zimmer is coming out of retirement from uh, scoring superhero movies to score X-Men Dark Phoenix. Which means he's been retired ostensibly for a year. Oh. He basically just skipped Justice League, and now he's back doing X-Men. There's a term for that. <laughs> Not wanting to deal with Justice League and WB's bullshit? No, it's... Um, <laughs> I've heard it in different contexts called pulling a Celine Dion and pulling oh. a George Strait. Mm-hmm, okay. I think he just didn't want to deal with Justice League. It's possible. It is entirely possible. But... Like, sadly, I'm not even, like, I'm not even mad about that. I'm not resentful. I liked the Justice League soundtrack. It was fine. But yeah. if anything, I'm just like, yeah, Hans Zimmer would be great on Dark Phoenix. Let's do this. I've got, just, I don't even I have. I've got no anger have, about it. I'm just like, yep, that sounds good. He should definitely do oh, Dark no. Phoenix. No, no, no. I'm not mad that he's doing Dark Phoenix. I'm confused that Dark Phoenix is still a thing. But Oh, whatever. that's going to happen. Yeah, they are going to make that one happen. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> to me, Logan was the end of the X Men movies. I'm I'm done. I'll watch oh, it. Oh, they've got a whole plan. I'll watch it, but I'm, I'm whatever. They have a whole plan. All right, so uh, the inevitable has happened. Uh, someone from Deep Fakes Club <laughs> used a five hundred dollar used computer and some free software that Reddit has, uh, and they've made it infamous, by the way, to uh, to shave Henry Cavill's Justice League mustache. If you're if you're not f- familiar with this thing. Someone posted this thing on Reddit, this software, and uh, basically most people on the internet are using it to make porn. They're just putting faces on, oh. like... Oh, yeah. Uh, we were given a tool, and as humans, we went exactly the direction you would think a human would. Yeah. Like, we, it, the most predictable human behavior. Oh, I'm going to make porn with this. Yeah, no. The the internet did the two things you would think. One, they put a young Carrie Fisher face <laughs> into a Star Wars movie to to prove that they could do it better than the movie studio, and they made porn. And yeah. now they've gone to Henry Cavill's mustache. Of course. Like, they have perfected porn and superhero slash sci-fi movies. That's what's happened. Sci-fi fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's going to be like, Star Wars isn't sci-fi. Okay, okay. Look, speculative <laughs> fiction, whatever. 
Well, it's, it's not even speculative fiction because it happens a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So it's not like where we're going. It's where I'm someone saying, else. You're speculating. Kind of. With yeah. fiction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's out there. I don't think it looks much better, honestly. The, like the the, I mean, I agree. It looks. It does look a little better. But I think if I went to see that in the theater, I'd still be like, this looks fucked up. But mm-hmm. it's not like they just changed it. But honestly, right. the fact that they did it with that few, like, the, I understand there was a huge time crunch with the CGI. I get it. Mm-hmm. I actually don't hold that CGI against the people who physically did it. I, I, no, I no. think every one of them was told, this is your time frame. And every one of them probably looked at their boss and said, go fuck yourself. That's going to look terrible. And they said, do it anyway, because that's what has to happen. I feel like that's the conversation that happened, but the uh-huh. fact that this, the fact that this software can achieve a similar result with far less resources makes me wonder if, like, if those same people that managed to at least get it that far had access to that, we probably would have watched a movie that didn't freak us out the entire time. Because there was an uncanny valley effect to watching the movie. Yeah, it's like you wanted it to was. be Superman, but it felt weird sometimes. Yeah, it felt like um, what was that movie? That Final Fantasy movie that was all CGI? Um, Spirit Within? Yeah, something. That sounds right. <laughs> it also felt like that Beowulf movie that came that out a few was, years was ago. Was Steve Buscemi in that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Been a while. I only oh, saw three, the trailers and I went, ah. <laughs> uh, that looks weird. Right. I'm not going to watch that. It looks stupid. Right. Um, anyway. Just not a, not, a, <laughs> not a subset of Comic-Con that I actually... Have gotten nah. into, but honestly, like if. By the way, have I asked, have I asked you this? I think like, you're like Justice League basically opens with kind of someone's like phone shaky cam mm-hmm. of Superman, and in that little phone shaky cam, he looks so weird. Mm-hmm. And I kept hoping it was because of the phone, like because it was on a phone or something. Um, I just, I it's a neat scene because like I like his interaction with the public, but I just so deeply wish they hadn't started the whole thing with me worrying about that effect mm-hmm. with me literally saying why does henry cowell's face look weird yeah it was rough that part was rough that part was rough i i i would watch the snyder cut i just i just want to I, I just want to cut of the movie the same movie would I, but just you know i mean i'll be yeah. honest man i i have slowly soured on justice league like the more i think about it the more i'm like oh man <laughs> yeah, but you do that with everything. I I, I mostly do that with everything. It's like almost unfailingly do that with everything. Like every movie I've ever watched with you is like this is pretty good, and then there's this uh, it just that's the top of the curve. <laughs> and then if you just graph it, it's like it's going to go down at least twenty percent by the time you finish just running it in your head over and over again. Yeah, that's right. I'm not ashamed of that. Very few movies actually hold up after a time. And I think everybody does that to some degree. Like I, I don't think they everyone just, does like, that. Like, a lot of people... Well, no, no. Here's what most people do. Most people see a movie, they go, oh, that was great. And then they remember it better and better and better as yes. they get older. And then they go and watch it again and go, oh, that was utter shit. Yes. That's here's what, the letdown. That's what a lot of people do. What you do every now and then is, like, you'll... <laughs> there's, like, bumps. You'll You'll watch it. You'll think, that's pretty good. And then, honestly, within 24 hours, it's dropped a letter grade 
That's right. It's like how you when you drive a new car off the lot, it drops, it depreciates by like 50%. Yeah. By the time you can't smell the glue, you just don't care anymore. So, <laughs> like, you, you, you do this thing, though, where, like, you, you watch it, you enjoy it, and, the, and you've got maybe, like, 12 hours of really enjoying yourself before I th- uh-huh. the thoughts start creeping in. And then the, the curve happens. <laughs> and, like, there's a really quick curve where it goes a whole letter grade down. And then there's a real slow curve that takes several months before it's – like if it was an A, within 24 to 48 hours, it's a B. And then over the next three months, it goes from B to C, and then it generally levels out. Uh-huh. So. I've been graphing this for a while. <laughs> I have collected a lot of data on this. It's hilarious. I kind of wish the, – The starkest one I've ever seen was – we watched Star Trek and we watched Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh huh. And like during the film, you were like, oh, "Fantastic!" You were you were literally muttering that to yourself, like while we were uh-huh. watching it. And <laughs> I forget what we, like we went and got some food afterward. Yeah. And it, it it had been about two hours after the film, and you're like, "I don't know." That's just <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> just give yourself the day. <laughs> Like just, just enjoy the one day, and then you can go scrutinize the crap. <laughs> I remember you saying that. Well, we were walking because uh, we lived together at the time. We were walking. Mm-hmm. We got back in the house, and I was talking. I was like, I don't know about this, man. I mean, because blah blah blah, and I was like, I mean, con, and, and you're like, damn it, Dave, <laughs> give yourself the day. I remember you saying that too. <laughs> just, just at least go to bed happy. <laughs> Wake up the next morning and shit on it as much as you want. But just go to bed happy tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's, a, it's a thing. All right. <laughs> so they put out this uh, this uh, deleted scene from uh, Justice League uh, showing Superman in the Fortress of Solitude and we see him like walk by a number of suits that come out of the walls. Like, you know, you got like a like a astronaut suit looks like sort of one of those containment suits that the Krypton the Kryptonians were wearing in Man of Steel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then inexplicably the black suit with the silver. So I don't know what the hell he was using that for, but he looked at it for a minute, like, oh yeah, I remember you. I don't I don't know why he would have had to, have, but whatever. Uh, and, and then just thought he looked shows, at like, hmm, well you're new, <laughs> yeah. And then he like looks up and there's like a new suit comes out. He's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of people online going like, yeah, only if they'd use this scene. This scene was a ama- dude, dude, this was a useless scene. Like, I didn't need this scene. Did you need this scene, Jason? I, I mean, I didn't. I don't think... It gave me more questions than the answers. Like, I was like, what the hell is that black suit doing in there? <laughs> it was... Uh, actually, my favorite comment was like, mm-hmm, yep, walls of vaginas. I saw that, too. <laughs> I didn't see the comment. I saw the walls of vaginas. I was like... Big old gray vaginas behind Superman. I guess. Um, That's weird. Personally, I've never had a vagina try to put me in a suit, but whatever. Um, So many jokes. So many jokes. Yeah, just leave that there for everyone to think about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, leave that there. Just like a a $20 bill in the street and just walk away. Uh Uh-huh. Uh... Yeah, I mean, if like, it was what fifty-two seconds or something, 
Like I feel like the yeah. only reason it was cut was because they were trying to cut as much as they could to get it under that Sujihara number. Uh huh. I, I mean, if it had stayed, who would have cared? The only thing, the, the only thing was like, why was he in the fortress? Mm-hmm. How did he get there? How did he get back? What was the thought process? All of that. So, I mean, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get that it was like a scene that if you did that, you had to do a couple other scenes to explain it. Mm-hmm. But I, I get how in the editing process, when you're trying to get under that arbitrary stupid figure, you, you'd cut it, but whatever. By itself, yeah. it was nice. And it had the nice Man of Steel score in the background. Um, yeah, The one that true. just kind of makes me choke up every time I hear it. And yeah. uh, it was symbolically it's cool that he just kind of walks past the black suit. Like, I like the idea that he walks past the black suit and just kind of, like, chooses, you know, hope instead of fear. You know, like, I, I, I like to think of him as, like, choosing yeah. a blue ring instead of a yellow ring kind of thing. Okay. So, so you, in your estimation, the black suit was the was the choosing darkness over, and he chose to go the opposite way. Kind of, yeah, that he's that he goes to the, um, uh, chooses inspiration over tyranny. Like, that that's what I would like the scene to be about. Don't know okay. if I'm going somewhere the scene didn't mean to go with that, but that's what I like about it. Sounds good. I, well, now I kind of wish it was there. <laughs> but then you have to explain everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the context of this scene, though, like, I I don't know. I, I, I It would be hard to place. It would be hard to actually place in the film. I, I, I get why it would make sense to get rid of it. I do feel like there were other connected pieces to this little puzzle, and we're just seeing the spot. I honestly, I think the reason WB put it out was because there was so much backlash about the black suit. They were like, yes, we had it. Here it is. There you go. Fine. Go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which is just what WB is saying to the fans at this point anyway. Just, yes, all right, here. Go F yourselves. I mean, if I could guess that the memo Sujihara sent, it was like, these fucking idiots will not stop talking about that damn suit. Please release a couple of seconds of it so it's <laughs> innocuous in the background so that we don't have to explain why there was a weird picture of him in it while we were filming. Please do this. Get these idiots off my back. I'm going to my yacht. Uh-huh. Yours truly, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> James Wan uh, posted a picture of Black Manta, of uh, of Yaya, talking into a trash can. Say, he says, doing voice looping. Hey, Yaya, why are you talking into a trash can? Oh, right. Fancy way of simulating the inside of a certain large helmet. That's dun, just fantastic. Dun, dun. That's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Somewhere our props department is still trying two or three different shades of something. Mm-hmm. All right. Shazam. We're going on to Shazam. We got it's always a fun a lot ride. Of I don't know if I've... I don't know how much I've looked forward to <laughs> this. I may be looking forward to Shazam more than I've been looking forward to some of these other movies, just based yeah. on his social media <laughs> or the social media yeah. generally attached to it. Uh, there is a full synopsis for Shazam now, and uh, the the full synopsis is as follows: We have we all have a superhero inside of us. It just takes a bit of magic to bring it out. In Billy Batson's case, by shouting one word. Shazam, the streetwise 14-year-old foster kid, can turn into the adult superhero Shazam, courtesy of an ancient wizard. Still a kid at heart, inside a ripped, godlike body, Shazam revels in the, sorry, revels in his adult version of himself by doing what any teen would do with superpowers. Have fun with him. Can he fly? Does he have x-ray vision? Can he shoot lightning out of his hands? Can he skip to, Can he skip his social studies test? Shazam sets out to test the limits of his abilities with the joyful recklessness of a child. 
but he'll need the ma- he'll need to master these powers quickly in order to fight the deadly forces of evil controlled by Dr. Thaddeus Sivana. Uh, sounds good. The movie started production. Uh, I'm excited. And they also confirmed Grace Fulton from uh, Mary Marvel, a.k.a. Uh, Mary Bromfeld, uh, Billy Batson's foster sister. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... Uh, and, and, ah. I'm excited about Shazam. I don't... I, didn't expect that. I really didn't. I that was one of the ones where I, I kind of balked at it. Like, ooh, I don't know if a lot of people yeah. care about this one. You're gonna have to sell and, that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited about the run up to it at least. Yeah, an actor, uh, Lotta Lawson, posted on social media that she's joined Shazam. Uh, she has been in Annabelle Creation and Lights Out, and uh, they were both directed by Sandberg. Mm-hmm. And um, she says. Uh, Yes, I have a role in Shazam, I can finally say that. No, I can't say anything else yet, but here I am with a director on set. He's a great guy. I know him. I love him. We're married. I'm bragging. <laughs> Which is cute. Mm-hmm. Um, now, someone on Twitter asked if the wizard was just going to be called the wizard in the movie, and uh, David Sandberg clarified that the wizard's name would be Shazam, as it was in the comics. Sure. In the old comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an episode, a recent episode of Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You, uh, where he talked to Zachary Levi, and Levi told Rosenbaum that he's been working out between five and six days a week at an hour and 15 minutes per workout, and that he's had a lot of weight gain. Rosenbaum guessed about 215, and Levi was like, oh no, 220. Before I got the role, I was about 200 pounds. I've hovered around 200 pounds most of my adult life. Uh, so he's been eating about 3,700 calories a day. Mm-hmm. And taking supplements, uh, Warner Brothers is like bringing doing like meal delivery, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, man. I, He's he, he he as you put it a few weeks ago, he got swole. Yeah, he yeah. Done got swole. <laughs> he uh, I wondered though if he had like if he got nervous when he read the synopsis. It was like godlike body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would see that and uh, think, oh, I have bitten off more than I can chew. Yeah, I would too. But, you know, I, I don't have a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, shoving food supplements, supplements down my mouth. <laughs> right. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, when he's like 60 years old, he can go back and look at Shazam and go, damn, mm-hmm. look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be like, so, like oh, yeah, you want to see how hard I had to work? Let's watch an episode of Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> and they did like a tease where like uh, where he was. Talking about how he had the costume, but it was like a jacket on over it. I saw that. And yeah. Henry Cavill, yeah, Henry Cavill was like, "Oh man, your your costume looks warmer." Yeah. And he's like, "Mine." He's like, "Yeah, mine's magic." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, speaking of Cavill, though, Revenge of the Fans is reporting that Henry Cavill's Superman will be showing up in Shazam, and uh, that's that's been floating around. We haven't talked about it at all. Um, no, but it's been even. Uh, Hinted at heavily. Yeah, even the director has like literally released fake script pages just to to kind of troll the idea of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had action figures interacting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In front of the wall uh, of Diet Coke or whatever it was. Yeah. Now, uh, Revenge of the Fans, as reported on the site, this is this is what they wrote here. I've been told by a trusted source that Cavill is set to appear in Shazam. This decision comes after a bunch of internal discussions about where to place him next, since a sequel is still a ways off. Dwayne Johnson is adamant about having Cavill appear in his Black 
uh, Adam film, but for the time being, that film, I'm told, is far from getting off the ground because of Johnson's hectic schedule. Uh, that all sounds like it's probably true. I hope Henry Cavill shows up in Shazam because he would be kind of perfect as the role model for Billy Batson. Sure. Personally. Yeah. That's my thought. I, uh, and I just want to see him again. I like Shazam. I mean, I like Shazam. I like Henry Cavill <laughs> Superman. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially after Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he got to that, you know, symbol of hope that he talked about yeah. a few movies ago. It's Now I just want to see him everywhere. All right, so uh, weirdly over to Lobo, <laughs> Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, Warner right. Warner Brothers is in talk with uh, <sighs> none other than Michael Bay about the once forgotten Lobo film that has been trying to mount for years now. He started getting involved when uh, he helped Jason Fox with some notes while he was doing a rewrite. And in a somewhat unexpected move, the talks between Bay and Warner Brothers have <laughs> actually been angling toward reducing the now $200 million budget. So, uh, yeah, I, if I'm being honest, I don't want Michael Bay anywhere near anything DC-related. I just don't like Michael Bay. I don't like anything. I've never liked a Michael Bay movie, really. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever really have either. Uh, he's good at spectacle. I mean... No, he's not. No, he's not. Everyone says that. Everyone says like, "Oh, well, he makes pretty action," and he. No, he doesn't. Oh, every no, time I, don't I mean see it, it's just like. All. I mean, like, like I watched a couple of Transformers destroy an entire forest and thought, "Well, this is fun. This is a fun scene," but it didn't mean I enjoyed the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy. I don't know, man. I'm just always like, what is even happening on screen? It always looks like a jumble of of CGI crap. I I think it's a I want to hope that he's capable of more and I have not explored his entire catalog and I know that he's like I, I looked into it and he has fault on a few occasions for a lower budget because there are reasons mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. uh, like there's a reason Ryan Reynolds you know fault tooth and nail to get Deadpool and then when it went well and they were like here's tons of money he went no 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 I want this mm-hmm. amount of money um, there are reasons but and it actually comforts me a little bit that Michael Bay looked at it and was like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-mm, no. This is the budget you should use for this movie. Mm-hmm. For well, better or worse, this is a guy who has directed a lot of movies. So I, I kind of appreciate <laughs> that it, he seems to be using some discretion before doing uh-huh. it. Well, that's nice, yeah. But yes, I do have like a deep-seated, suspicious... I, 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 I don't... I just... I can't like... I can't get excited about it. I just can't. Yeah. It's it's going to be one of those things where I cringe, and then I go watch the movie, and then hopefully I feel better afterwards. Mm-hmm. But even, like, as the credits start... Like, you know in the theater when the lights lower, and it's clear that the actual movie's about to start? Uh-huh. I will get nervous. I will actually get nervous. I'm, yeah. I've gotten nervous before every DC movie. Oh, God. Here we go. I know what Rotten Tomatoes already said. <laughs> I don't know if I have. I don't think I could remember it accurately if I have actually had like butterflies in the stomach nervousness. But I would predict butterflies in the stomach for Lobo via Michael Bay. Uh-huh. I'd predict it. Yeah. Now over on Twitter, uh, I asked our listeners or our, our followers, uh, if you had your choice of director for a Lobo film, who would you choose? Personally, I uh, my first thought was Luke Besson. Um, 
I of never the know. Fifth Element. Never and, know directors. You're gonna have to tell me. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Uh, fifth Element. Uh, yeah, uh, Lucy. Um, <laughs> the film Chris Tucker survived. Valerian. I didn't see that. Um, yeah, he's in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, that was my first thought for for Lobo, but um, we had a bunch of people reply. Uh, Jay Scott St. Clair said, probably out of left field, but why not take the chance on the Wachowskis? I enjoyed V for a Vendetta and Speed Racer. Well, I liked The Matrix. <laughs> the first one. Yeah. The Matrix. <laughs> um, Two and three? Yeah. Problems? I, I did think of, I, yeah, I did think of the Wachowskis, mm-hmm. but uh, I felt like they were... Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're they're onto serialized storytelling, and I don't know. I haven't really seen much more from them that's been like, <sighs> in any way, widely regarded. So I just kind of went, eh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fuzzy Jeff, uh, Jeff Myers, uh, the producer on the old radio show I used to do with with those guys, uh, mm. Entertainment Roundtable. Yeah. Jeff Myers says, "Sam Raimi, dog." Sam the man Raimi. Imagine Ash turned up to 11 and able to back it all up. <laughs> That's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it, it is like, and as I said, like, on, like, it does seem to be an inspired choice. If he did it, the if he did what was just described, uh, that would work. That's, then yeah. again, I, I don't want Lobo eschewing his trademark levity for waterworks. You know what I mean? Like, I had three movies of Spider-Man crying. <laughs> you don't want a, like a Lobo dance number somewhere in there? <laughs> no, I don't. Josh McKay, Red Arrow X3, says, How about James Gunn? He has done space movies pretty well and brought good humor to it. Absolutely, man. I think he's busy, though. <laughs> he is busy. Not a bad call, though. Not no, not a bad at call all. at all. Not a bad call. Um, Jack, the Gooseman90... Might get heat for this, but I say Ridley Scott. I don't think the reaction would would be as negative like with Bay. <laughs> I don't think he's he's the kind of person who would respect the source material. <laughs> he wouldn't let you finish the sentence if you pitched it to him. He'd hang, he'd hang up halfway through. He doesn't even respect his own source material. No. No. Like, Ridley, remember these alien movies? Uh, yeah, but that's not the story I want to tell. I want to change this and this. Why? Uh-huh. And we'll do 14 more. Yeah, uh, I think and the my was favorite, eight, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, my favorite response was from Nerdy Tastic. No one, because I don't want that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think I don't think now is the right time for Lobo. I really don't. I think they need to figure out other things. Like how to get their iconic characters right. Right. Uh, Lo- Lobo is, you know. Might be kind of a fun call. There's like not a lot of people have a lot of expectation, but you know the the clickbait websites are always calling it DC's answer to Deadpool. Why has everything got to be an answer to Deadpool? That's what you said about Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suicide Squad was DC's answer to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's all crap. But I mean, Lobo has. <laughs> I don't think it's all crap. I think they do look at different things. Oh, look at that. That did pretty well. Let's do something. Do we have something like that? But some, and sometimes that's fine, but uh, to some extent, yeah, there's like, the Hey, what worked before? Like 
well, not to some extent, a lot of what happens is, hey, what worked before? Can we do it again? But the articles comparing yeah, I mean, them is just, oh, God. It's just a, a black yeah. hole of uselessness. Mm. I, almost, I almost want to say Guillermo if I had to pick, like, a Lobo director. Oh, man, that's a good call. That's such a good call. Oh, I hate you for saying that. Oh, that might be the it's first like time pull... I've ever had a good call on, on a director. For oh, you. man. Man, you pull. it's like you pull it back, and you're like, I don't know directors. And then, like, all these people are throwing out things, and I'm like, Luc Besson! Because I'm a <laughs> whatever, like, artsy farts. And then you're like, Guillermo. Bum, bum, bum. Like, oh, <laughs> bastard, that's so good. I got one. Yay! <laughs> I'm actually pretty proud. <laughs> I don't know. I, if if we had the CGI uh, Bruce Campbell, like I I would actually if Sam Raimi did did it, I would want Bruce Campbell actually playing the character, uh, just like in, just CGI. Oh, it put him in a <laughs> ton of practical. I would think voice modulation, like eight hours of makeup before they film two hours, and then six hours to get yeah. out of it. Yeah, I'm all right with practical. He's a bit old though. No, no, no. You got you got to cover so much of that face to make it that big and puffy anyway. Like, he's just <laughs> huge in every possible way. Like, even his forehead has muscles. Like, that that's how I envision Lobo. Mm-hmm. I think you have to practical basically everything. Oh, I uh, don't know about that. Here's a here's a, a complete left-field kind of thing. Has Stephen DeKnight actually directed anything? Or is he just right? Because I know he's been showrunner. Like, I know he's capable, but I don't know what he's actually directed. Um, yeah, he's directed stuff. Um... Gosh, what am, what am I thinking of? What am I... Uh, how do you spell his name? D-E, D-E and Knight, and, I think. D-E and K. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up. I know I know things. I know he's doing... Um, what is it? Um, Pacific Rim, the new Pacific Rim movie. Speaking of Guillermo. Mm. Um, so let's they, look at... They run in the same circles, there. anyway. Uh, yeah... Okay, so he's been a director on episodes of Doll, or one episode of Dollhouse, two episodes of Smallville, three episodes of Angel, um, one episode of Daredevil, and Pacific Rim Uprising. That sounds right. Um, and in particular, he was a showrunner on the first season of Daredevil, and I feel like that make yeah that might qualify him to play with Lobo. Okay, I mean, I wasn't gonna mention it, but someone asked him if he would do um, if, if the script was good, if he would do uh, direct Man of Steel two, and he responded with up, up and away. Oh hell yeah, he'd. Do <laughs> yeah, he would. Oh, yeah, he would. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't try their hand at Superman? The man in the red cape comes knocking. You answer. Oh, dude, you answer the I, call. I, it's one of those things where like I would feel deeply unqualified, but if, oh sure, if for who, some reason someone sent me the wrong email and I showed up the next day and and managed to fake my identity, right. I would totally try until they threw me off the lot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. Over to Nightwing. Uh, Nightwing director Chris McKay has offered up a, an update. It says, some early Valentine's Day news. Nightwing script expected very soon. Working on Ripomatic to show a studio, this is going to be a long process. So don't expect casting news anytime soon. We are taking our time. Expect big things from DC, Jeff Johns, and WB Team. Exciting year ahead. Um, he also 
took to Twitter for some direction. He tweeted, if you were to cast Nightwing, what is the most important quality you would look for in an actor? He listed recognizable movie star, a badass martial artist, Romani, or vulnerable emotional. Now, the following day, a badass martial artist was winning with 47%, with vulnerable emotional coming in second at 22%. I haven't checked on the numbers now. Um... I don't want, I don't care about recognizable movie star, but can we have all the others? <laughs> yeah. Does it have to be just the one? No, but I, I like the fact that it was even polled. Yeah. Now on that poll though, actor Josh Gad mm-hmm. commented with a gif of the penguin saying, You don't really think you'll win, do you? That doesn't make any sense. No. Um, which tracks because Josh Gad in anything doesn't make any sense. No. Especially in playing the penguin. No, I, I just don't. I don't like Josh Gad. Not I don't that, want him playing the penguin. Not digging that choice. Um, <laughs> just not digging Reddit that choice. No, Reddit noticed that he is now followed by Matt Reeves, who who is directing Batman, and recently posted a video of himself working out. People think that means he's preparing for the role, but I, why would you work out to play the penguin? It doesn't make uh, any sense either. Um, I am right now looking so, at a yeah. picture on my wall of. A 70s penguin where he weighs somewhere around 315 pounds <laughs> probably yeah um and is still smoking hmm. <laughs> even though the diabetes yeah. took his right eye <laughs> i hate you man that monocle's for show <laughs> the diabetes took his eye <laughs> that's what i'm seeing all right (laughs) it's a drawing and it's still stretching the actual buttons on the jacket (laughs) you don't get cancer if you extend the cigarette six inches from your face you know that right yeah yeah i've heard that you just have to have a thing whatever that thing is right so the filter yeah cigarette holder cigarette holder extension thingy yeah. Anyway. It, um, it probably did Mag- keep your teeth wider, if I'm being honest. But eh, anyway. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know how to say this name. Magnus Ligback, who was the uh, the trainer that worked with uh, Alicia Vikander on Tomb Raider, is being brought on uh, to train Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot on uh, Wonder Woman 2. So that's the thing. I haven't seen Tomb Raider. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, Any thoughts? I got nothing. Seemed notable. Got nothing. This is fun. Joel Kinnaman was doing an interview on, uh, hell, I don't know what he was, uh, oh yeah, Watch What Happens Live. There it goes. Uh, was talking about regretting the tattoo he got from Will Smith. You know, the squad Mm -hmm, tattoo. mm -hmm. (laughs) He says, that was a horrible idea. Don't let a 47-year-old man without his reading glasses tattoo you. That is a life (laughs) lesson. (laughs) He says, Will has so many talents. Will has so many talents. Tattooing is not one of them. It was like watching a drunk baby fly a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Now I I want to see a close-up of that now. Yeah. So uh, Kinnaman was also over on Yahoo uh, UK 
and was talking about Suicide Squad 2 taking a more grounded approach. He says, it was a great setup, great characters. I think when we do the second one, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a more grounded version of the film. The characters are so extreme, it could be more effective if we saw less less sorcery. I think the characters become more extreme if you see them in conjunction with real people. I absolutely agree, Joel. No, completely. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, fingers crossed. Just an actor talking, but well, I hope he's right. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how far along they are in Suicide Squad 2. I keep seeing like stuff where they're like, oh yeah, what's about to happen? Like, oh, okay. You sure? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean... Oh, all right. My well, my best guess is they're still they're still talking to people about the script. I, th- I think that's where they are now. Is like... Yeah. Still sending it out to people and, hey, can you do a rewrite where this is more prominent and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, um, as for non-DCEU movies... There's a little bit of news, a little bit of rumor, I guess, uh, as as far as the uh, the new DC banner, the uh, the Todd Phillips Joker film uh, is rumored to have Joaquin Phoenix in talks to play the Joker. Apparently, Todd is on board with that. Joaquin Phoenix is on board, and they're just looking for a green light from WB. I beg of the WB, don't do it. Don't make things more convoluted. Now, I mean you. You guys will remember, long-time listeners of the show will will note that I was kind of on board with the new banner because it, you know, oh, yeah, introduce the multiverse and, and do Crisis. You know what? After Justice League and them shaking stuff up, like, I like Justice League for the most part, but they don't know what they're doing over there. No, it's clear that it's too reactionary. This isn't like a concerted move that they've got a plan for. This is just... This is like they pulling have to a figure out, out of the stuff pot first. and throwing it at the wall and seeing if it sticks, man. That's that's all they're doing now. It's really frustrating yeah. to watch and to care about. Like, it's just mm-hmm. it's soul breaking some days. I <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Like Joaquin Phoenix, I got nothing against him. Like if you're gonna do this, I I, I mean you can you can go a lot of ways with it. But if you told me, hey, we're gonna make him the Joker, I I don't know if I could argue with you. It's a good actor. No, when. When they were going, hey, Joaquin Phoenix is probably going to be Lex Luthor. I was like, yes, <laughs> make it go. <laughs> yeah, but I, like, he's a good actor. I, I don't. It's not about him. I just don't want the movie to exist. Yeah, because we've gotten to a point now where it's, it's, God, it's so separated. We don't need to separate stuff that's coming out of the same company. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can separate stuff. I have no problem separating. Yeah, stuff. I can. Car- I, I can compartmentalize, I, but like, it doesn't mean that. Yeah. You, you don't. I mean, we all kind of want it to be connected. And it's going to be another one of those just bullshit things that becomes a Marvel vs. DC thing. Where it's like, oh, you can't even keep your movies connected. And then the DC fans are going to be like, oh, you call it an MCU, but all of the stuff on TV and streaming means nothing. It just, it's, I can just, I can feel the articles coming. I can mm-hmm. feel them creeping up my skin. <laughs> like little clickbait spiders. <laughs> Yep. You don't even have to uh, stick your ear to the ground to hear these buffalo no. coming. No. Yeah. yeah. So on, on <laughs> several levels, I just kind of wish this isn't a thing. But by itself, considered exclusively for the purpose of this movie, I have no problem with Joaquin Phoenix. It sounds fine. Yeah. Mm. I'm interested to see what he's going to do with it if he does it. Yeah. I, he's an interesting actor. Yeah. I he think is. he'd have a neat take. But you might get the Jared Leto effect, where at the same time I thought, he's an interesting actor. I think you're going to get a neat take. And <laughs> yeah. 
like half the world went crazy for it, and the other half just went crazy. I mean, same with Jesse Eisenberg doing Luthor. Like, you take your chances; it may or may not land. See, you know, I think there is a way to do much, like take much less chances. You know, when you were talking about like I big iconic characters, stick with what people know. Like, look at the look at the culmination of all of the different iterations and go. This one is the one that's closest to everyone else, like to all of these other versions. Yeah. Like, I, no, I mean, uh, if you're just know. trying to stick to like, be artsy with the things nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a real thing. That is a real thing in this kind of uh, venue. Uh, um, but yeah, like if you just tried to pick the guy who maybe looked the part, played it. The, the way you're expecting, like, let's take Luther for, exec, uh, for example, you should have just cast a 40-year-old Rosenbaum to do the thing. Uh, like, it, if if that's what you're going for, like, it would have been confusing, obviously, because where does Smallville fit into this and all that? But but he looked it, he did it, felt like Luthor. Yeah. I don't know how to improve upon it. You're going to need, like, for Luthor, you're going to need, like, 1997 Billy Zane. You know, like, <laughs> go with... And I, I specify 1997 Billy Zane mm-hmm. because, no, I don't think he can do it now. No. But <laughs> he's gotten too old. His star has fallen. There is there's a guy, um, I don't know his Just name. Has. don't know his name, but I think about him sometimes uh, in the Luthor role. It's, uh, he play. I think he played Jesse, was his name, on Burn Notice. And oh, Aaron Paul? No, no, no. That's Burn Notice. Sorry, I thought Breaking Bad. No, no. Sorry, I was already, I was already thinking Brian Cranston should have been Luthor. Sorry, I, that, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I just that, made a lot. I just fine. made a leap. I, I made a leap. Um, where currently he's playing kind of the uh, like, I think it was the FBI he was working with in The Gifted. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. part of the you know part of the team that, like, it's it's a pretty basic character like. He's been hurt by mutants in the past. He's villainized him in his head, and he's the guy who's in charge of stopping him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, The Gifted was, I don't know how far Matt Nix is in the uh, creation of that series, or I, I think he directed the first episode, same as he did with Burn Notice, but it's clearly a guy that Matt Nix likes. don't remember mm-hmm. his name right now to save my life, but whatever. Um, if anyone looks him up, oh, he'd, he'd look great in a white suit pretending to be Luke. Yeah. Like, he'd, he'd, he'd be fantastic. You know, you know who would be really great if we could ignore what he's done before. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy. He would do well. Yeah, he would do well, but that would be a lot to ignore. Well, I mean, you know, he had that mask ah, on in Dark true. Knight yeah, Rises. It's, it's hard not to know. Still but bald. I feel like everyone knows <laughs> exactly. Every who time they I don't are. like, every time I don't like a Tom Hardy movie, he's bald. <laughs> I just realized that. Yeah, I can see that. But he was he was. He was, uh, yeah. Oh. He only seems like the villain of Star Trek Nemesis because everything, because he, everything was falling around, falling apart around him. <laughs> uh, but it was really because he was the best thing in that movie, and everything else was shit. Fair enough. Uh, I did find his name, Kobe Bell. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool man. I don't know him. I don't know that cat. No, I don't think you would. Burn notice, gifted. He's just. I don't think I've seen you watch anything where you should know. He did voice some Archer characters. Hmm. Conway Stern. If you remember him, I think the guy who goes, has his arm ripped off or his hand ripped off. Yeah. Okay. That was him. Cool. Hmm. I have to look that up. Yeah. I just looked at his IMDb, and he's he's listed as young man in Reptile <laughs> Boy. 
Oh. The Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. All right. <laughs> anyway. All right. So uh, over to some feedback. We're going to have to blow through some of this now. Mm. Uh, we got Stephen, Dr. Steve over at uh, from Weird Medicine reviewed us on, uh, on Facebook. Gave us five stars. Says, there are only two podcasts in this world that I listen to every week, and this is one of them. I look forward to hearing the boys wax eloquent on all topics, DC. I use the knowledge I glean from this show to sound smart with my friends. Thanks, fellers. And, Thank you, Steve. Incredibly flattering. I feel like he's setting us up for a punchline. I, I do, too. I'm just, just, I mean. Your words are too but, sweet, Steve. You know what? Sweet, sweet words that turn into bitter orange wax in my ears. That's it. <laughs> Futurama. <laughs> uh, Josh McKay, Red Arrow X3 on Twitter says, You guys made my day a whole lot better. I was catching up with your episode today, so thank you for being cool, guys, and putting a smile on my face. You are welcome, sir. He's fun to talk to on Twitter. He is. Salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Brooklyn Batman says, been a while since I asked you guys a question. What's your thoughts on this new show Metropolis? When do you think we'll get an Aquaman trailer? I'm thinking maybe in March with ready player one. I I think we might get one in March, uh, and you will hear what our thoughts on Metropolis are, uh, in the next segment. I, uh, spoilers, (laughs) spoilers. We do TV as well. (laughs) Yeah. All right, uh, Ryan Hulesman over on Twitter. Oh, by the way, says, Ready Player to- One is a good mm-hmm. guess. Sorry. Yes, it is. Uh, Ryan D. Hulesman on Twitter says, Listening to the DC on screen episode, Queen Lights? Now I'll never be able to think of them as anything else. The rest will now be known as Allen Lights and Thawne Lights. I like the expansion, and. Um, I do too. Yeah, that's a win for Bethany. Mm hmm. That is. What's weird is like. Whenever I see those, when I really think about the red lights and the yellow lights, I always think of uh, the lanterns. <laughs> I'm like, ah, Atrocitus, you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. Brentac Prime, <laughs> Brent over uh, on, on Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast says, "Your latest episode. I think your tangents had tangents." <laughs> I believe so. There Don't they all branches and sub branches? Yeah. All right, we're gonna do some TV news real quick. Titans. Jeff Johns drops the title page for Titans episode 105. Guess what it's called? Doom Patrol. I'm gonna I'm gonna back away for a second. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> it is written by Jeff Johns, by the way, as well. Uh, now, we do have some Titans casting calls from that hashtag show. Uh, uh, you know, we hear a lot about uh, their casting breakdowns, and last time I heard about them was when David Sandberg was like, Y'all wrong! <laughs> nope! <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it for a second. Uh, first one is a uh, male 40s to 50s Middle Eastern, Latin, or East Indian, seeking a young Richard Attenborough type. Fearless, manipulative, with unparalleled intelligence. Recurring guest star, seeking recognizable faces only. And uh, seems to be Rachel Ghoul. That's, that seems uh, to be a most great people guess, think. Yeah. Uh, the next is female, early 20s to early 30s East Indian, has the mentality of a survivor and the scars along with it unsettled and a little unusual. Orphan. Limited dialogue in her first episode. 
must be familiar with Hindi, possibly recurring guest star. And people are saying Solstice again. Yeah, all right. Fine guess. It sounds all right. I'm okay with all these things. I, like, yeah. I, I I haven't been particularly dismayed by anything that's come out of that hashtag show's little casting call. Mm-mm. I I don't know who they have. If if this is all accurate, <laughs> they've got a great source. Yeah. Uh, over to Krypton. It looks like uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Thrones alum. <laughs> Game of Hannah Waddingham. Yeah, will be recurring in the role of Jaxer in the upcoming Krypton series. 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 This will be the first time the role will be played by a woman. Uh, I mean, whatever. Jaxer, whatever. Do whatever you got to do. I don't know. Krypton. I don't know what to say. <laughs> hey, they're they're going down uh, a path that has not been traveled very often. Yeah. I, I mean, I know there's a lot of comic books that have covered it, but it's new. It's new territory for TV. So. Do what you want to do. It cracks, Go for it. It cracks me up, but at the end of the day, there's going to be like a Smallville on my shelf, a Krypton on my shelf, and a Metropolis on my shelf. There will be. Uh, because Gotham executive producers John Stevens and Danny Cannon will head up Metropolis, a series that will explore the city of tomorrow before the arrival of Superman. It will focus on Lois Lane and Lex Luthor, and will focus on the investigation of fringe science in the city. The show has a 13-episode order and is set to de- debut in 2019 on the streaming service the dc streaming service uh i don't want to see this show i'll watch it <laughs> of course i'm just so not interested right now um i think you may be experiencing I, what is referred to as fatigue <laughs> well i don't <laughs> i don't want to see lois land alex luthor teaming up to to solve fringe science oh i don't what? know if they're necessarily teaming up they may just be working uh, on similar like i I hope that my interpretation of that synopsis is right, where it, where it's going to be like Lois investigates, uh, Luthor's investigating, and they're not doing it together. Like it's it's them uh-huh. both getting to a point where constantly she's going like, "You're a madman," and he's like, "You're just a thing I should quash and can't," you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Either way, I, I don't want it care. to be antagonistic. That's fine. I don't care though. Like yeah. they're gonna have to work to make me care. Basically. I understand. I understand. You're starting with a zero percent of shits. Yeah, I, I get it. I I don't want any more non things. Like, don't show me Metropolis without Superman. I don't want to see Krypton. Period. And <laughs> <laughs> just show me my hero and let me go. Like, yeah. I would so much rather like let's do a little Tyler Hecklin Superman series. Why do we have to have Metropolis? I don't want a Metro- I, don't I don't want a Metropolis show. I don't. Uh, anyway, I don't know. There, there's a lot of weirdness here. Yeah, uh, Miss Larue underscore thirteen over on Twitter says, "With Metropolis, I hope the city itself will be done right. In Gotham, the city is as much a character as the people, which I love. And casting is obviously the difference between a good show and a great one. I agree with you about the trailer. That would be a good release." I don't remember what that was about, that that trailer thing. But, um, I mean, it's yeah, a good point, though. I, like, Gotham does actually portray Gotham as a character. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, I that's hope true. Metropolis does that yeah. as well. Like, this should be, the like, the, you know, the, the city of tomorrow. Like, we, we actually feel like I'm at yeah. the World's Fair when I walk to work in the morning. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the Harley Quinn animated series, which I'm actually now officially excited about. <laughs> That's on the DC. going to get your two ninety nine a month one way or the other. Oh, it will. Um, <laughs> they've they're they're of. Uh, I guess it, I can't remember. I don't know if it was that hashtag show or what, but 
there was uh, there were character descriptions that were released uh, in conjunction with this uh, with this show, uh, and here they are: the Joker, forty, equal parts homicidal and charismatic. He's been Harley's longtime awful boyfriend, but when Harley breaks up with him, she vows to take his cherished number one spot on the most wanted list. The Joker thinks of Harley as his creation, and as she grows in power, does everything he can to stop her. Series regular, yes, please. Yep. Dr. Pamela Isley, a.k.a. Poison Ivy. Late Mm -hmm. 20s, sarcastic and incredibly smart. Ivy is Harley's best friend and now roommate. Very much a loner, she prefers plants over people. Ivy is sometimes the voice of reason, but always a true friend to Harley. Ivy soon becomes her reluctant partner in crime. Series regular. Sounds right. Mm -hmm. Cy Borgman, 90s. Once upon a time, Cy used to be a suave super spy. Now in his 90s, he's in a wheelchair... And most of his body is replaced by creaky 50s-era bionic parts. Crotchety, <laughs> difficult, and longs to become relevant again. He's also Harley and Ivy's landlord, and insists they take him on their high so he can get back into the action. Or else he won't repair the plumbing. Series regular. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> Not as fun as this. Dr. Psycho, mid-40s. An angry misogynist, dwarf, with telekinesis. <laughs> He was a major villain until the incident ten years ago, when in the midst of a losing, uh, when in the midst of losing a battle against Wonder Woman, he became frustrated and called her the c-word, in front of hundreds of ca- in front of hundreds of camera phones. Even other villains were disgusted, Dis- <laughs> disgraced. The only one who'll have him is a- is Harley, a woman. He can't stand it, but he'll do anything to get back into the villain community. Series regular. <laughs> Malice Vunderbar Early 20s, pretty, but over it She's an alien, but looks human oh, And her family is crazy rich and powerful She's interning with Harley's gang for college credit The only thing she cares about is her demonic shadow cat named Cheshire That she carries around in her designer purse Oh, Cheshire, he's a, all things He's a friend and fashion item And it destroys everything it sees Series regular oh, God. King Shark King Shark, 30. His lower half is human, but his upper half is the body of a great white shark. Even though he looks incredibly fierce, he's a gentle soul who just wants to be normal. That is, until he smells blood. And then he goes into a frenzy and literally eats everyone around him, leaving death and carnage everywhere. Then feels bad about it. Series regular. (laughs) This is amazing. Clayface, mid-30s, a large humanoid mass of clay. Clayface was a struggling trained actor until a terrible pottery accident turned him into the shape-shifting villain he is now. (laughs) His aspirations for stardom and his ability to transform his appearance to look like anyone should help him land some roles, but he's still such a terrible actor that the only work he can get is with Harley's crew, pretending to be whoever they need him to be to help with the heist. He still holds out hope that he'll land one of the many auditions he fruitlessly goes on. Series regular. That all <laughs> sounds delightful. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna ask you to recall a show. Uh huh. From a ways back. Uh huh. I think it aired on USA. Okay. Probably twenty years ago. Uh. Do you recall Duckman? I do recall Duckman. This is what that reminds me of. Yes. I can deal with that. For uh, I. I I'm not sure I could I could articulate this well, but for some reason that's what I'm reminded of. Hmm, interesting. I just thought R-rated Brave and the Bold. That's what I thought. This sounds. Actually, you know what I thought of the first thing: Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. That's not unfair either. 
Also, while we're going there, the Venture Brothers. <laughs> that may uh, be the, the closest. Maybe. And actually even thinking that's gotten me more excited than I was before. Mm-hmm. God, that was good. Yeah. All right. Over to Gotham. We finally have a premiere date for Gotham. It's March 1st. Yeah. Also, it comes with a promo if you want to check it out. Did you Did you check it out? I did. The, did, did, you, like the, did you like seeing Batman? I did. I, I am did. so digging this. Like, Jerome is awesome, but nothing excited me as much as that dark figure in the cape in, in Bruce's mind going, I am the one you cannot escape. I am the one you cannot kill. Like, yes. hell yeah. Hell yeah, we're going there. Like, and before that, even Gordon saying, like, um, basically, whatever you're up to, you have friends kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And on the other side, like, Jerome and, and uh, Oswald, like, I don't know why they both have blood on their faces and they're laughing about it, but I want that scene. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, they, they always tease us with Jerome. Mm-hmm. He's around for a minute. He's gone again. We're only going to get yeah. this, We're only gonna get a moment with him. So this is kind of a teaser. Mm-hmm. But when you just look at the clips of what's happening with the rest of the season, like everything. Um, Bruce talking to Selena, like, so you came here, so you needed help. You know, uh, sometimes that's enough kind of thing. Like, even that. Yeah. Even those little moments. I honestly, I watched, I watched the whole sneak peek. Well, I skipped, I skipped past the part where it was like, here's what's happened. Cause I knew that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I finished the clip and thought, damn it. That's going to be good. I, I think yeah. we're going to enjoy what's happening with Gotham. I have really high hopes for it. Yeah. Even Ivy was cool. Like I, I liked the new I, Ivy. They had a great explanation for why he's, why, why she's changing again. Uh huh. I was really hoping they had something under their sleeves, and they feel so strongly about it, and they're gonna like apparently lean into the character that they bothered using. God, uh, probably twenty percent of the the forward thinking part of that trailer for just her. Mm hmm. You know, seed sprout bloomed all that. I do miss Maggie though. Yeah, that was a good kid. I miss Claire too. <laughs> Uh, according to David Mazuz, he says, Jerome is not the Joker. That's all I'll say. He's definitely the inspiration for the Joker and the way that the Joker comes into the show for me is one of those brilliant things Gotham has ever done. All right. Here's open. All right. I do uh, love how much he loves the show he's on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, in case you were, you were wondering, Supergirl returns April 16th. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> After the entirety of Legends. Yep. <laughs> For what I'm still calling the strangest viewing I will ever be a part of. Well, you know, Mark Pedowitz, the CW president, announced that the CW would only air four superhero-related shows in any given week at any given time. We'll see We'll see how that holds up when you start doing crossovers with Black Lightning. Yeah, I get it. Asshole. I mean, I, I get what he's going for, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Black Lightning, Salim, uh, Salim Akil was asked by Yahoo about the possibility of Black Lightning spinoffs. He said, yeah, let's hope so. We, we want to entertain. I know this show is topical and it has some political merit to it, but we also want to entertain and make people laugh and get them excited about the fight sequences and the characters that are coming in, as well as the villains that are coming in. We hope it will be re- a well-rounded experience. So yes, we'd love to see other superheroes come through. Me too. Uh, let's do that. Yeah. Black Lightning's really good. Just I mean, I'm going to sum up the conversation good. we've had this week about it is that show is effing killing it. Yep. Uh, over on Arrow, 
Nissa is returning. Wendy Miracle and Mark Guggenheim recently told Variety in an unforgettable episode that will change Arrow forever. Hmm. Sounds like hyperbole to me, but we'll we'll see. Katrina Law returns. We've covered that (laughs) extensively. (laughs) Katrina Law returns as the daughter of the demon, Nissa Al Ghul. Nissa Mm. comes to Star City to warn of an impending danger that will threaten everything we know and love. I, that kind of got a little Paul Lind on, on us. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe that's just how I'll do Wendy Miracle and Mark Guggenheim now. I literally... In an unforgettable episode. <laughs> I, I just... When they start talking, I just hear the, the Peanuts parents. <laughs> and sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's just... Uh, just, just, just a noise in the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, and my old college roommate Jeremy used to say whenever I'd play Dylan or talk about Dylan, all he heard is "ee." Yep. <laughs> I'm in you a know, he, place. The the people in college you know, that showed me the Beatles uh, once got angry at me and said, "You have almost ruined the Beatles because I, I was yeah. just playing them so much." <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That happens. That happens. And suddenly knew everything. (laughs) Did you know? Like, I was just a trivia machine. Yeah. Um, Matthew Salvatore, uh, Salvatore underscore chief uh, on Twitter, says, Is it just me, or is Wild Dog super annoying? I was a huge fan of his character up until his betrayal of Oliver. Now it seems every line he has is a jab at Oliver. I am not caught up by any stretch, but up to the point I was, yes. (laughs) I am like three or four episodes behind on Arrow, and I've got to catch up. Um, I've watched uh, Divided We Fall, which is two mm. episodes, I think. I think that's the name of those. Um, anyway, uh, I think I'm only like a week behind on Arrow right now. Mm-hmm. But no, well, it aired Thursday, so I'm, I'm two weeks behind. But mm. in the formation of New Team Arrow, it's not just Wild Dog. It's just like a, a whole sentiment, you know, New Team yeah. has. Mm-hmm. I um yeah, I gotta get caught up. We got a bunch of feedback from Sherman Smith about all the different shows, and I just I haven't even read it because I'm like I don't know. I haven't read it. I haven't watched. I'm, yeah. I'm really bad. I've kept up with Black Lightning and Supergirl. Those are the two I've kept up with, and yeah, the others. I always, I always so, feel bad because like sometimes I respond to Sherman, and I'm like two weeks after. Yeah, or more. We're sorry, Sherm. We are sorry. Uh, Kyra Zagorski. Was cat has been cast in Arrow as a League of Assassins member, uh, bearing a. Uh, oh wait, sorry. It's, uh, she's going to be playing Athena, a former member of the League of Assassins, bearing a scar across her face is an example of her fearlessness and determination. Athena aims to maintain the legacy of Malcolm Merlin, her fallen commander, and thus sees anyone who was once associated with him as a potential threat. Mm, that sounds boring. <laughs> That's what I thought too, man. <laughs> This is why we're friends. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I seriously, I, as I was copying and pasting that, I went, ugh, I want to cut my dick off just to feel something. <laughs> like, I didn't even say it to anyone. It's one of those moments where, like, I'm glad we were late on it. And I feel like we both need therapy. (laughs) 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 
Anyway. <laughs> but should we do the therapy like together or separate? Because like, what if we we get different and better or worse therapists, and like one of us comes along before the other? It's going to be weird. Yeah. We should probably get not couples therapy if that's the thing. <laughs> I think my fiance would be annoyed if we got couples therapy. Can we, is there someone doing co-host therapy? Mm. Can we search that person? We'd have to fly to LA. We can't afford that shit. Yeah. Nor could we afford therapy no. itself if it was literally no. someone that lived next door to us. But that's right. a different problem. Right. Yeah. All right. Over to Watchmen. We just have to trudge forward and hope for the best. <laughs> They've named a, a director for the Watchmen pilot. It's Leftovers director Nicole Castle. Um... She's also done some of the Americans, a Be- uh, Better Call Saul episode, uh, episode of Suits, several other series. So uh, you know, fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. Decent looking resume. Yeah. I don't really know how to scrutinize it. Mm. <laughs> All right. So we have a voicemail from Jordan Valdez of the Multiverse Musings podcast, and uh, it is in relation to Batman Gotham by Gaslight. So, uh, he does talk spoilers, so we're going to play that, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey there, Dave and Jason. Um, so, you mentioned on the last episode that you hadn't been getting many voicemails, so I figured, you know what? I'll indulge you, because there's something right now that I just can't stop talking about. Like, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, the new animated movie. This is my favorite animated film ever, period. This film blew me away. I thought it was amazing. I loved it. I, I It was a looser adaptation of the comic than I expected. Um, I love the comic, but I think the additions that they made here um, just make it even better. It exceeded every lofty expectation I had for it. Uh, and my expectations were very lofty because, as I said, I liked the comic, and I knew they were incorporating Selena Kyle into the story for the movie. And as a huge Catwoman fan, like I, I couldn't ask for anything more. And particularly what I want to focus on, because this was the highlight of the movie for me, was the way they portrayed the Bat-Cat relationship in this movie. Because I'm a huge Bat-Cat shipper, and what they did with it in this movie was phenomenal. I mean, it starts out with um, Bruce and Harvey watching uh, Selena's performance, and Harvey's like, uh, she's the most amazing gal, Bruce, you'll see. And Bruce just immediately says, I think I already do. I freaking love that line. It just made me smile. And then we continue to see the relationship progress when they have to pretend pretend to be having sex with the, when the cops try to stop their carriage. And that was funny. Um, but then um, the, the line Selena has about um, uh, committing to your role and it takes practice, repetition, practice, practice, practice. I love that. And then it goes back later because Bruce later has to um, commit to a different role where he has to put on an accent in order to escape from um, Blackgate. And uh, I love that because it's sort of called back to that um, later in the film of him having to um, practice and uh, and perform a role, basically. And then there were two moments um, between Bruce and Selena that really just brought tears to my eyes in this movie. And one was um, when they were at um, her apartment and they were looking out the window and they were telling each other about um, their, basically their origins and, and why they are the way they are. And I think it really just emphasized how well they understand each other better than anybody else does. And there was also a scene at the bar where Selena was like calling Bruce out on stuff and, and, and um, it really just this movie really emphasizes how well they understand each other. And I thought in that scene um, in particular, um, when Bruce is telling her about his parents and she just, she just holds his hand. And I, I freaking thought that was beautiful. And they looked in each other's eyes. I loved it. And then there's a scene at the end of the movie where Selena rescues Bruce. Um, that touched on a theme from Tom King's Batman run um, that I loved, which is that Bruce and Selena always catch each other when they fall. And I think that's a really beautiful 
um, way to describe that aspect of their relationship. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to end the film. Sorry for going on so long. Um, keep up the great work, guys. Uh, bye-bye. All right. Um, you got anything for Jordan? I like his take. Very thorough. Very thorough. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, full disclosure, he did send two voicemails, and, and I, I, I kind of edited them for time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, I think, I'm a, it, I think I'm a Batcat shipper myself, so. I, I, yeah, I get it. And I, I don't necessarily ship him in a vacuum, but in this in this movie, he's right. They did a great job. And uh, I think the thing you probably nailed is there are a lot of, like, tweaks to – I mean, the book is just kind of, I, I would say, mildly represented by the actual product in this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> but for the better. Like, it made a good movie. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, with Killing Joke, they did the Killing Joke extremely well, except the parts where they added stuff. Yeah. And it got a little weird. Right. It got more than a little weird. It got a lot weird. I just want to take Bruce Tim and all of his people and go, can we keep Bruce's dick out of Barbara? Can we just do that? Yes. Please. At all points. This is the can weirdest we thing that you guys... the animated genitalia off the screen? Unless it serves an <laughs> actual purpose, for God's I sake. Didn't, I didn't see it on screen, but... <laughs> all of the implied animated genitalia. Right. <laughs> or reproductive just... parts in general. We just keep Batman and Barbara out of a relationship. I, well, this film, like, like, like he says, like it, it does a great job of portraying their relationship, like this mutual respect, uh, kind of being able to see each other for who they truly are, kind of thing. Great. Well, Bruce and Selena is not Barbara's, but yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, not Barbara. Um, the the whole thing with Barbara just that was a that was that was weird. Different Barbara, but yeah. I would just like to move on from that. <laughs> all right well i i think that's all we've got for this episode honestly like yeah oh. I, my notes are blank um you have something if you stick around for the singer it's it's fitting mm. to have it here um since gotham finally has a premiere date which i loved i loved the fact that they included like thanks for waiting or whatever it was yeah in the in this in the sneak peek um that was good if you've stuck around this long, uh, and bless you, uh, if you stick around a little longer, it's the, I have a question that is specifically Gotham related. Seemed fitting. Mm-hmm. Seemed fitting to finally get it in here. We, we've had trouble on a number of levels actually being able to include it. So yeah, I and, like that know, this is where it's finally going to be. Yeah. And I, I am sorry that we haven't done more episodes recently. We've been a little off. Like one, one thing news has been slow Two. I'm trying to get married and move. A trifle. To a different town. We'll forgive him. Yeah. So uh, it's been a little, uh, it's been a little tough to get get down on a microphone. You know what I mean? Like get this out. Yeah. So yeah. It's like mm, it'll probably still be kind of spotty. It's but, uh, yeah. We'll theori- be around. Theoretically, going to average around nine or ten days. Yeah. For news in particular. For news in particular, yeah. For a couple months. Probably, yeah. And then we'll get back to, but, you know, every Tuesday-ish. Yep. That is stretched. That was probably not professional. Because I made a weird noise. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Again, Your bones are right, you, and that's important. Right. No, they're not right. They're, they hurt. Um, if you'd like to... Hopefully better. Hmm? Hmm. 
I hope. <laughs> everyone can just <laughs> everyone can just hope that Dave's bones stay in the right place. At least long enough for him to, you know, say get married. Yeah. Just, you know, send me good vibes. Do like uh Ghostbusters too, you know? Send me those good vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, stand in the street, sing a Bobby Brown song, whatever the hell happened in that movie. Right. I don't remember. I don't remember. At the very least, <laughs> uh, at the very least, if everyone could tweet inspirational memes, yeah, that'd be fantastic. That's right. Uh, or you could just go over to iTunes and give us a good rating if you like. If you like our show, that'd be cool too. I understand that it's way easier to just harass us, so I get it. Mm-hmm. You can harass us on Twitter at DC on screen. Mm-hmm. You can go over to Facebook. By the way. Facebook has changed their algorithm. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you keep up with it. Uh, but they've changed their algorithm. So if you really want to know what we're doing on Facebook, when we do something on Facebook, which we've all but abandoned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten hard to uh, keep up with it. Just go over to the Facebook page and and, and uh, go to your little notifications and, and tell it to see us first. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> maybe the algorithm will let you see us. Yeah. Anyway... You know how to DC on prioritize yeah. who you're willing to look DC, for. DConscreen.com for all of our episodes uh, for free. And we also have merch and all sorts of stuff up there. And playing us out on this episode, Matt Carroll of the uh, Matthew Carroll of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast uh, has just released an album. He's worked really hard on it. He's spent a lot of money putting it together. He's put a lot of passion into it. And uh, I actually think it's a really good album. So... Uh, this is a Heart on Fire single that he, he's released. and You can go find him on Spotify and everything. There's a music video for this that uh, my sister, Brittany Robertson, did the uh, did some of the graphic design work for. And uh, I think it's good stuff. So um, check him out. Matthew Carroll, the album is Left to Burn. And the, this song is Heart on Fire. Uh, until next time, guys, keep some DC on your screen. It's been a long, long time since it's been this way. I felt the flames It seemed like I was all burned down But that look you got It's tempting me to kiss Oh, it's tempting me to risk The scar tissue that protects my sanity
neurology question for you Ooh. so this is a common thing but what brings it up is the recent gotham uh mid-season finale mm. i won't give you the exact scene or the all right spoiler if you haven't seen the gotham mid-season finale you're not alone <laughs> <laughs> you're dr scott details, but what i will ask is this is it possible in any capacity for someone to get hit in the head with say an iron pipe and actually gain their memory back <laughs> Um, I won't tell you where that happens in case there are any viewers watching that haven't oh, gotten around to it, but he, it is common. Um, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. You just blew it for me. I've got it in my queue. I might as well not watch it now. I refer you also to King Tut in Batman 66, who seemed to uh, almost experience dissociative fugue every time he got hit. So if, if you could just let me know. I, I, my heart says that there's probably no way this is real, but if there's some wild explanation for how this is plausible, I would love to know it. It would make all of my TV viewing and probably movie viewing <laughs> in the future go much more smoothly. Thank you, guys. Totally plausible. Okay, man. Well, okay. Let me tell a story. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would ride my bicycle home from school. And when I was in the seventh grade, I came home for, and we would go home for lunch. So I came home for lunch, and this time, this one time, I decided I was going to – and I would carry my books on my side. And I would never have my hands on the handlebars. Mm-hmm. I would just um, – you know, I rode a bike so much I just didn't sure. use the handlebars. I sure. just used my weight to, uh, to turn and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so this one time, though, I'm coming into my, um, uh, uh, to, into my driveway. I threw my books off to the side, onto the onto – the, to the um, to the grass, right? That was a big mistake, because what I didn't realize was I was balanced, and when I threw that away, equal and opposite reaction. I had a force in the other direction, sure. threw me completely off balance, fell off my bike, hit my head. <clears throat> when I got up, I didn't remember. I couldn't remember what grade I was in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had a, a, a version of amnesia. I could I knew my name, and I was had enough insight to say I know my name. I just don't know what grade I'm in. And so I brought my books in to look through, hoping that I had written, you know, you know, Stevie grade seven in it or or whatever. Whatever, And uh, but I hadn't. And so I was freaked out. And my mom drove me to school that afternoon instead of getting me checked out. She just drives me back to the school. Well, here you go, you little son of a bitch. And uh, as soon as I got there, all my memory came back. So your memory uh, – I had a concussion, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. and your memory can go away and it can come back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it, when it came back, it came back suddenly. It came back just like that, just all at once. Now, whether you could be, say, I don't know, Solomon Grundy and not remember who you previously were and then get hit over the head and then all of a sudden somehow it jars some gear back into place. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But you were going to say that it is plausible. I think you can. Uh, so, <clears throat> so speak. Hell, I don't fucking know. Oh, he doesn't know. Hey, but but I have seen in a couple different cases. You just wanted to make Jason feel better. So that he could watch these shows because this is a trope. I'll, this is a very common trope. People get hit in the head and then mm-hmm. they lose their memory and then they get hit in the head again and it comes back. And we would just do that all the time for people with amnesia. <laughs> right. Have you ever? Hey, stand on Brutus is coming here. We're going to smack you in the head here. <laughs> Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, the TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? El nuevo crispy chicken sandwich de McDonald's is... Crujiente, tiernito, wholesome. Es pollo la McDonald's. Un mordisco y... Wow. Es el nuevo crispy chicken sandwich. Ordena por anticipado en el lab de McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. En McDonald's participantes.